Olivia. This is your very first podcast. Um, welcome. This is what your mom and dad do to feed, to, um, you know, put diapers on your butt. <laughs> to put formula in your belly and diapers on your booty. Yeah, this is what we do. And four years ago, three years ago, I was holding your big sister doing the exact same thing. The first episode, um, the first couple episodes after we had Ellie, I held Ellie in my arms while we recorded and it was awesome. And now I'm doing that with our second daughter, Olivia Blake Dollar, who is a week and some change old. And she is perfect. She's, oh my gosh. She's, she's just the sw- yummiest, sweetest little thing. She's just a little. She's tiny. She's a full pound smaller than Ellie was. So she's so tiny. And one thing that I don't think people, remember I said this, I, I, as we learned about having kids, we said, everybody warned you about all this stuff, but the thing that they somehow got left off is potty training mm-hmm. like they're like oh it's gonna be difficult to sleep oh this oh that but nobody tells you the nightmare that is potty training yeah you know what they don't tell you about having your second kid what how the day your second child is born all of a sudden your older child turns into a teenager yeah it's so weird i've actually had a lot of people tell me that Really? Um, they're like, Ellie Bef- is going to be... Yeah, before. before. Oh, nobody told me that. All my friends told me that. They're like, just be prepared because Ellie is going to seem like she is five years older than she is. And right. it's going to happen overnight. And you're going to be like, what in the world? Like, I even held Ellie before, just even physically. I held Ellie before we went to the hospital last week. And um, then I came home and all of a sudden she weighs 100 pounds more than she did when we left. Uh, she doesn't, but right. that's because we have a five pound baby now that's basically like attached to me. Uh, and then when I picked a belly, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so a- big. So, you know, we are, we are living in the suburbs. We have two kids now. Right. A couple of dogs, a little yard. I mean, we have spaghetti for dinner once a week. We do. We got, got a grill in the back. We are living the all-american dream over here and i don't have new balance sneakers but you do i do i have new balance sneakers i really am you talk about the size of the kids i i really am worried that i'm gonna pick up olivia at one point and just fling her across the room because she's she's so so tiny (laughs) she's so light and i'm used to picking up ellie who by the way is adjusting so well yeah um she she's a little bit clingy and i think we expected that Mm -hmm. and she's a little bit uh she hasn't been um like uh, what's the word i don't want to say bratty but she's not like she's not throwing tantrums or knocking stuff over or whatever but she's definitely more attached yeah which callie's fine with yeah, I'm totally fine with um, it. You know, it's hard for me emotionally because I want to make sure that she gets what she needs from me. And she's usually, you know, up until this point has been like, daddy, 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 daddy. Um, and it always bothers me that people say she's a daddy's girl because I don't think that's the case. I think with her age, you're the funny one and you're like, you know teasing her and scaring her and like tickling her you know it's just a different relationship that you guys have and now she's like i want to stay home with mommy like i don't want to go run errands with you i want to stay home with mommy i want to you know which is which is just so sweet uh i have cried a bunch because i just you know i i can't 
pick her up and do all the things I want to do with her because my C-section. And that's been really hard for me, especially when I'm holding her sister and she's like, mommy, can you hold me? Yeah. And I'm like, I can't. Um, so that I can't really like explain to her, but it, it has been really cool. And Jeff, you know, it, you just have been an unbelievable partner. And I think every time we get ch- our partnership is challenged in a new way, not that I think it just reaffirms how good we are together yeah. as a team. Um, I don't know how people, how people do it. I don't know how single parents do it. I don't know because, you and I have been totally reliant on each other the past, you know, yeah. five days. And I appreciate you. Uh, five days. Seven, week. 12. I, <laughs> it's been I have day. no concept of time. Uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, no, it is. No. A week, at, almost two weeks. Not almost. A week and, a week and a half. A week and a half. Yeah. Here, here's what uh, today's show is going to look like and what this week's Before you start, can I just like. say something really funny? Yeah. It is so on brand. And Olivia has walked right into our brand that we would launch a show, a different format, a different bu- music, a different, you know, um, cover art for our podcast and be like, okay, here starts our new show. And then Olivia comes, our show doesn't happen for a week. We're going to, we can happen. And yeah. now it's not going to be a format of anything because now we're telling a story that we have to tell you. Uh, so I just think it's funny that Olivia made her way on brand. So when we launched something new and we were like, yeah, new, this is going to be different Then you know, then we're out for a week. And I hope if you're coming back to the show after saying, uh, you know, I'm never listening again, if it's going to be about entrepreneurial stuff, uh, I hope that, uh, you'll give this episode a listen and understand it's, well, I'm not going to re-explain it. Yeah. Don't re-explain it. Just, it just bugged me that people, it bugged me that, we kind of, and maybe it's our fault for framing it wrong, but it just, it bugged. is our fault. Oh, it is? Yeah. I listened oh, okay. to the show a couple times after that and it was like, you know, we're going to be adding more entrepreneurial content. Like we flat out said that. Yeah, I know. But yeah. all I meant was, yeah, it doesn't matter what I meant. It doesn't. Yeah. Cause Olivia, it doesn't matter. Cause Olivia is right. bringing it right back to where it was. So Olivia says you're welcome. Yeah. So here's how today is going to play out. We're going to um, say thank you to our advertisers. And then Callie is going to tell the story. We're going to start last Thursday, mm-hmm. which would have been January 11th. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start January 11th at dinner time, And Callie's going to tell the story of the next 40, starting there, the, the 36, 48 hours of her life, right? Mm-hmm. Of our life. Um, and I'm going to do my best to move the story along with questions and stuff, but I'm not going to interrupt. And he's and not going to give his And I'm not going to give my perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay? So please credit to me in advance, because that's going to be so... Oh, look, that was a squeak. <laughs> uh, credit to me in advance, because that's going to be so difficult to do. Right. But tomorrow, I want to tell the story from my point of view. Tomorrow or Thursday? Tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, then we're going to... Um, do a Friday show is just going to be questions because okay. I think there's going to be a lot of questions. Yeah. I will say that I think I know for sure that I have to still be processing me too. Everything that happened me because too. I've had multiple people when I tell the story of Olivia's arrival, when I tell that story, multiple people have said, that is one of the most horrific birth experiences I have ever heard. 
that is awful. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that. Mm-hmm. That is unreal. And I just kind of go, well, yeah, right? Like, I haven't processed it that way, and I don't think you have no, either. No, I... I am still processing and I think it's going to take some time and I got to be totally honest. I think I probably need to go to therapy and like work out a couple things because I'm, I'm still, um, and I know, I think you probably definitely do too. Um, I think we'd both need to like chat it out and sort it out in therapy and kind of like, yeah, we just have to, (laughs) um, because it was really, really a lot. I, I don't use the word trauma lightly, but I have noticed some residual things that would not have, you know, like I have a new fear of dying. I have a new fear of leaving my girls and you. And I have a new, I have all these new fears that weren't there um, before that I think I need to probably work out and just, you know, tie up and then, and then hopefully move on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we ever move on from this. Well, and I think it's different for you and for me because we have yeah. two different life experiences. Like I've never had, I'm someone who's never had a medical emergency. I've never had a broken bone. I've never had any of that. And I've um, had, a, and I've had a tooth pulled. So Jeff's I, had a tooth pulled. So, so he's I know, an expert. I know what it's like to look through <laughs> the gates of heaven, but then be called back home, called back to earth. <laughs> I've been there, people. Um, but you have, you know, some stuff from your, you know, you spent time in a hospital as a kid cause your mom got sick. So you're, you know, you have a lot of, you know, um, memories associated with being in a hospital and, and someone you love being, being sick. And, uh, so I think our perspectives are just like, we come from two different things. I'm still processing as, wow, this can't happen to me. And you're processing, I think as that was too close to home like that. Right. I don't need that to happen again. Um, so anyways, yeah, we're going to, we're going to thank our advertisers so we don't have to interrupt the story and, um, you know, you're going to get, uh, a lot of me with Jeff asking questions today. Something that is chronically on my list of micro anxieties is booking doctor's appointments and, or finding doctors. Because to me, it's such a complicated thing because one, unless you heard it directly from a friend's mouth, how do you find a great doctor Two, How do you know that you're going to connect with them and like them, which to me is really important. Like bedside manner, your girl needs that. Right. And then you have to call, you have to hope you get an appointment. You have to talk to someone on the phone. You have to do all these things. It winds up being a micro anxiety and constantly on my list because it's such a pain to do, or it was a pain to do before I found out about ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly related in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. So everything that's a hassle about booking those doctor's appointments, forget about it because it's not happening with ZocDoc. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same day appointments. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance or located near you and treat basically any condition you've been searching for. Go to ZocDoc.com slash upside and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc.com slash upside. Z-O-C 
doc.com slash upside zocdoc.com slash upside if you have a family like i do you need to get term life insurance to protect your family it's not something exciting and fun that we want to talk about or even think about but the reality is it is necessary it is vital and we want to make sure our kids are taken care of when we are gone fabric by gerber life makes it simple to protect your family's financial future so you can focus on what's ahead knowing your family is protected if something else unexpected happens. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it simple to get the protection that's right for your family. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. You could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com upside. That's meetfabric.com upside. M-E-E-T-F-A-B-R-I-C.com upside. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. I am here to make your life easier. You're welcome. In advance, you're welcome. Because I am trying to introduce peace to my 2024. And one thing on that peace list is feeding my kids and not having to think about what I'm feeding them. And that's where our friends A Little Spoon come in handy. We started using Little Spoon when Ellie was um, was little, little tiny, tiny. And they have foods that are healthy for all stages of your kid's life. So it starts with like the baby blends. Then you can do like their finger foods. They have plates that are like big kid meals with like hidden veggie mac and cheese, all the stuff that's good for them. They don't know. They just know that it tastes delicious and you didn't have to think about it. They have smoothies. They have little lunch packs that you can put in your kid's lunchbox. They have snacks. I mean, you can find everything you need to get your kid fed in their school day right on Little Spoon's website. Did I mention that it all comes right to your door? So you can go pick out the menu. You can change what you order. If you have a kid that likes the same things that they like, you know, they know what they like. Great. Order it again. Um, The price is right. The quality is unmatched. I love it. Ellie loves it. Jeff loves it. It makes our life more peaceful for 2024. One less decision to have to make. Simplify your kiddos mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash upside 30 and enter our code upside 30 at checkout to get 30% off your first little spoon order. That's littlespoon.com slash upside 30. All right. So it's Thursday night and Jeff made chili and cornbread. And um, the reason that's funny is because I said, don't make it too spicy. I might go into labor. Right. Um, so I said that. And for the record, I didn't. No, you didn't at all, which is great because I also had like super intense heartburn. So anything I tried to eat immediately was like, we don't like this. We don't like this. Um, so we're sitting there and then Ellie needed a bath, which is my department in our relationship. So, um, took her upstairs. She's in the shower and I'm laying in our bed, which I do. Cause she, this is not just like a rinse shower. I mean, the, the girl loves water. So this is like an hour long playtime. She's got letters in there. She's got crayons. She's doing her thing. She's, you know, pouring buckets of water. She's, she's just happy. She's the person that you don't want to shower after because she empties the tank. 100%. The hot and water your showers. Tank, yeah. yeah. Your shower is cold. After Ellie Dollar's been in there. Um, so we're sitting there and I get up for some reason and I look on the bed and see that there's blood in our bed. And for a second, I was like, was Jeff bleeding last night and didn't realize it? I'm like, that's kind of weird. Um, and so I saw that and I was like, wait a minute. 
maybe it's me. Is that me? Am I bleeding? And so I, you know, went and checked and sure enough, I was bleeding and I was like, um, Jeff, I'm bleeding. And we both kind of had that moment, I think, similar to when Ellie was was born, where we looked at each other. We were like, oh, my God, this is the start of us having a baby. And we like, you know, we're like, oh, this is so exciting. I think, you know, Jeff teared up. Um, and we were like, this is so cool. So I called my doctor and she was like, you know what? Okay. It could be happening. You know, bleeding happens for any number of reasons. Um, come on in. I'll see you in a little bit. My doctor happened to be the one on call that night. And then I called my friend. I don't know if you know this, Jeff, my friend, Rachel, who has been my perinatal specialist, which basically means a super baby. It's a, she's a specialist for babies that are in bellies. Um, and she watches them very closely. She's crazy smart. And I texted her and I said, I need you to talk me off a ledge right now because I'm bleeding and I'm freaking out. And she called me and she's like, okay, she's like, it's, everything's going to be fine. Everything's probably fine, but you definitely want to go get checked out. So she's like, pack your bags, find someone to take care of Ellie and, you know, head to the hospital and, and keep, keep and, me posted. And you have this perinatal specialist who's a friend, but is also a doctor of yours because you're considered an older pregnancy and at risk pregnancy, right? Right. And so I had, she had been seeing you throughout the process. Yeah. She's been seeing me. She was checking up on, um, Olivia. She got me through my whole pregnancy with Ellie and it's cool. You know, she's very, very smart and I appreciate her so much. And she was very calm as she is. And, you know, I was like, okay. I was like, does this mean something's wrong with the baby? She's like, no, that's not what it means. I was like, thank you for talking me off a ledge. Rachel, excuse me, Dr. Schulman. Um, so my, you know, Jeff was going back and forth. Do I need to call your parents? Do I not? He calls my parents. They come to get Ellie. Um, I finish packing my hospital bag. I pack a bag for Ellie for the next couple of days. And then we went into the hospital. I was freaking out and I videotaped myself throughout this. I don't know if you knew that. Not videotaped, but like recorded myself, Jeff. <laughs> she had an old school. <laughs> I had a VHS. Or a, a VHS, you know, camera that you took to the to, took to Disney World in 1988. Right. And I'll post that stuff um, this, this weekend probably. But I was scared because Ellie... Uh, sorry, old habits to hard. Olivia had been kicking me nonstop the past couple of days. And I mean nonstop, like moving so much. And it was really cool. And then when I noticed the blood, immediately I was like, wait a minute, can I feel her anymore? Is she okay? I don't feel her as much. What's going on? And I started to feel a little bit of like contractions. Um, so I just wanted to know that she was okay. And then I could take a deep breath because i don't care when i have a baby i care that she's okay in retrospect do you think that there really were fewer kicks that I don't know. day or that your brain immediately goes to why can't i feel her where is right. she yeah i don't know i have i have no idea um so we say goodbye to ellie we go to the hospital and we're like all right this is so exciting because based on what happened with Ellie, we just thought, okay, you go in if there's something wrong or if there's something going on past, you know, this, I'm probably in labor. We're going to have a baby. Maybe tonight. Yeah, I think it's it's worth noting that Ellie was, I think, as easy as it could be. Oh, my gosh. It was So my, that's, that's our perspective as we both that's share our, baseline. our story. It, 
I mean, we it was it was like go, it was go, like going to get a cavity filled. When I yeah, when I you know, I mean, for me, but probably, it's probably a little <laughs> more for no. It was a really peaceful, great experience. Like I woke up on my very first day of maternity leave. My water broke. I went to the hospital with Jeff. It was totally calm. They're like, "All right, you want to have a baby? You're in labor." And we're like, "Great!" And then we had a C-section. We were had a great surgery. We were joking around with people in the ER or the OR. Um, we had Ellie, everything was great. We went into cut. I mean, it was like smooth sailing. So that's what we assume, you know, is going to be like the second time, just cause that's what we know. Right. Um, and you know, I love my C-sections. Um, both of mine were sure. elective. Callie gets C-sections even when she's not pregnant. I do. It's she, crazy. That's how I much she them. loves them. I do. And I will still, like, I will always say, you know, it, it's definitely not the easy way out, but I do appreciate about a C-section that they're scheduled. There's a routine. There's a process. There's very few surprises, so I thought. Um, so I will still say, yes, I would choose that every time for me. Um, so we get to the hospital. We're, there's no emergent anything, right? Like, it's a slower night. We even were laughing because the elevator was really slow. Oh, my God, so like, funny. Like, we got there. I'm like, well, it's a good thing I'm not, like, actively pushing a baby out because everything was calm. Like, there's, like, a waterfall there, and the waterfall was, you know, you could hear the water falling. And then, the, you know, it took forever for us to get an elevator twice. And then it took – everyone was just slow, and the it was funny – yeah, the slow elevator was like a scene out of a comedy movie. It, it was like The Office. Like Michael Scott would have run up the stairs, you know? And we get there, and then they kind of check you in and, you know, ask you all these questions. And there's like, you know, a dozen other other women up there that are also appear to be in labor. And we get checked in. We get a room. We meet our nurse. And they're like, okay, they, you know, strap on all the stuff in my belly. And they're like, the baby is doing great. Um, they checked my cervix. I was not dilated at all. Um, and my, my doctor came and talked to me and basically said, you know, we would like to watch you overnight just because, you know, we don't know the cause of the bleeding. It doesn't appear you're in active labor. We see a little bit of contractions, but, um, we, you know, want to keep you overnight, observe you. And then it would just make us feel better if in the morning you saw the perinatal specialist who's in the hospital, um, to kind of tell us what what they think and then we'll go from there and if you don't progress in labor overnight we'll probably send you home if you progress and go into further labor we'll keep you here you'll have a baby there you go so it's like I've, okay cool i feel like you thought that you'd be spending the night when we were driving there you're like yeah I'll i did for the oh, okay i did um but i didn't think there was a possibility of me going home i thought oh like we're having a baby yeah today or tomorrow and I remember thinking too. My, my attitude with hospitals is always, I'll be in and out in an hour. Yeah, no, no. I don't know why it's never happened in the history of hospitals. Zero times. I don't know why. Zero I times. Think that. Um, and we, uh, so we get in there, everything's fine, whatever. And I send Jeff home because I'm like, I, we're we might be having a baby tomorrow. We might not, but you need to get some rest. There's no point in you being here. We're not having a baby tonight. Keep your ringer on. I'll call you if for some reason I go into labor so Jeff's like all right I'm going home I love you I'll see you tomorrow keep me posted and this was Thursday Friday we had clients coming in town like flying into town to do a weekend recording session with us and we had been joking about how Jeff had said I just know she's coming this weekend because we have this huge recording thing 
And luckily you would set up a producer to be your fill-in. So we also had to like think about that too is okay. So our clients are coming in town tomorrow. We're probably having a baby. Um, and while it sounds nice that you can just pull the plug and say, Oh, everything stopped because we're having a baby. Like it just doesn't work like that. So you went to go sleep as I understood it, prepare for the clients to be there. So you could come back if we were having a baby. But I think both of us based on our text message conversation thought, okay, probably going home. Um, cause there's nothing to see here. So I wake up on Friday morning and they said, Hey, actually the perinatal specialist is ready to see you, which I was shocked by because like you said, everything in hospitals takes a little more time, stuff happens, whatever. But I was like the first person of the day. So they wheel me down into the perinatal like place where they work. And, you know, I saw the tech who said, okay, the baby looks good, strong heartbeat. I like what I'm seeing, et cetera. And then the perinatal, um, doctor comes in to talk to me and he explains to me that, you know, the baby Olivia is healthy and her systems are working and all of that. Um, but there is always a reason why someone would bleed. And he said to me, you know, there's stuff that I can't see. Here's what I'm guessing what is going on, which would be a placental ablation. Um, and he said there might be part of parts of it that I can't see, I want you to have, you know, my recommendation is there's no emergency right now. Let's have the C-section now. So if, otherwise if I, I'm... S- if I, I just want to, yeah. for anybody who doesn't know, because I didn't know and I'm still not 100% sure, <laughs> but a placental ablation is when the placenta starts to detach, detach from uh-huh. your body. Yeah. And if it's a little bit, it causes bleeding. If it's a lot, it puts the baby in harm's way. Right. Got it. So he said there's no emergency and she looks great right now. So my preference is that we have the C-section now um, because, you know, otherwise I, you know, send you home in three days, you coming back, it may be an emergency in three days. It's not now. So let's have a C-section and let's meet your baby. To which I'm like, great, this is awesome. Called Jeff. Hey, can you come? And they, um, I've heard us tell this part of the story differently, but they said, can you, uh, has two o'clock like for an OR time. I was like, great. Call Jeff. We're having a baby today. It's going to happen at two. And you're like, all right, let me, you know, get stuff done around here. And then as we're, you know, talking about the day, me and the nurses and stuff, they said, uh, we actually have a spot at noon. And I think this was about like 1105, 1107-ish. They said, we have a spot at noon. Would you rather have noon? And I said, yeah, like, let's rock this. Like, let's do it. Why not? And then I texted Jeff and I said, hey, they have noon. Can you be here? Like, can you come back? Because they're going to start my epidural, start my stuff. And you're like, oh, my gosh, so exciting. Yes, I'm on my way. Let's do it. And they, I don't think I told you this, Jeff, but they kept asking me if I had an emotional support person because you weren't there. And I think they thought maybe I was either having the baby myself or like they just did. Or, or that I just didn't like you. Or you didn't like me. Or Can, but, I, can I interject something yeah, just of so course. that I don't get hate for the next 24 hours? Yeah. Our office in our studio is literally walking distance, walking distance yes from when Callie finally made it made it into a room like the what not recovery but like the room that you stay in after you have a baby you could see our studio from her window literally so uh i just don't uh, I, i'll tell my version of the story 
tomorrow, obviously, but I don't want people to think, what a jerk he went. No, 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 no. And even if I was at home, our house is only five minutes past that. Yes. So that's why we both felt comfortable with me honestly being across the street. Well, and you asked my opinion. Like, you asked how I felt. And I was like, how I feel is you need to get sleep because we also have a three-year-old in this picture. Yeah. And if we're having, like, I want you to be well-rested because I'm probably not going to be. We just need to, yeah, we decided it together. It, it There was no reason for you to be there. And so they kept, they're like, do you have someone who's going to come be here with you? <laughs> like, I think they, I was like, yes, my husband's coming. Like, we, yeah, it's fine. We're, we're all good here. And it was funny because several people, you know, because everybody comes in and out of a room and there's different nurses doing different things. And they're like, do you have someone that's going to come be with you? Yes, I do. It's fine. It's fine. He'll be here. So uh, you get there. They give you like scrubs and, and all that kind of stuff. They and were all very impressed, by the way, but how quickly I got yeah, there. Yeah, they're like, oh, you, yeah, you got here really fast. And you're like, yeah, I literally worked across Walked the street. Across the street. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they are, you know, the anesthesiologist comes in and they have you like, you know, turn around and kind of like face a wall and then make all these like weird positions with your back to place the epidural. And so I was doing that and I remember I said to the anesthesiologist, I said, have you, uh, had one of these before? Cause she said, this is going to hurt. And she was like, yep, I've had, I've had two. And I said, oh, good. Thank you for not saying this is going to feel like a bee sting because my last anesthesiologist with my daughter was like, okay, it's just going to feel like a bee sting for a second. And I made the joke like, sir, you have clearly never been stuck by like stung by a bee like this hurts. And so everybody started laughing and, and whatever. So I get my epidural. They're put it. They're about to put it in a catheter, getting me ready for, you know, for surgery. And my OB comes in just to touch base. And I, you know, was talking to her and I remember saying, I feel really tired. And I was talking to her as though if anyone's ever been under general anesthesia for like a tooth procedure or something, it feels kind of like that where you're like, oh yeah, I can feel the drugs now. Okay. I'm going to go to sleep now. Um, but I was aware that that wasn't supposed to be happening because I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not going under general anesthesia like I'm supposed to be awake and so I remember saying I'm really tired and then I remember a lot of voices in the background and I remember going to sleep and um when I woke up I was being rolled in a hospital bed there was someone physically touching my chest there were people, there was a person pumping an oxygen bag next to my face. And I remember, I couldn't say it, but I remember thinking, this thing smells so gross. Like, I can't breathe. Why yeah. do you have this? Get this out of my face. Because I think when you can't breathe, your automatic reaction is to clear your own face. Right. You know what I mean? Like, get this out of my face. And I remember, like, this smells weird. I can't breathe. Get out of my face. Like, what are you doing? And then it was weird because I there were, like, you know, it's one of those Grey's Anatomy moments where you look up and you see 12 different people. And the weird part is they're all talking about you, but you're not a part of the conversation. So they're just saying things about you. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Were you at that point, were you able to talk back? I don't know. I or know. Were, do you remember being tr trying to talk back? I remember... I remember at one point saying, I'm okay, I'm okay. 
but I don't know if I actually got it out. Like, I don't know if the nurses would say that I said that, but I was thinking that I was saying that. Does that make sense? It may have been gibberish. It does, because one of the reports that I got about you while this was happening was that you were speaking, but it was gibberish. Yeah. So what? So that's why I was wondering if, like, that's why I was asking. Um, And... So there's all these people, they're staring at me, they're talking about me like I'm not there, which is very weird, you know, like, someone's like, okay, I remember someone saying, okay, we got a pulse, you know, so her eyes are open, her eyes are open, and I remember saying, I can hear you, or trying to say, I can hear you. I was like, I can understand what you're saying. Like, I'm here, I can understand what you're saying. I hear you talking about my pulse. I don't know if it came out. I have no idea, but that's what I was thinking in my head. I wish, then, I, I wish I asked for clarity on gibberish because I wonder if you were just going blah, 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 blah. Right. Or if you were saying like banana applesauce chicken McNugget. Right. Because the know? brain's weird like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. And we get in there and they do the whole thing. They have this thing that they put under you so they can, it's like a blow up mattress so they can transfer you to the operating room like bed. So I remember them blowing that up. I remember them counting to three, saying one, two, three. I remember being moved. And then I remember at some point you, I remember seeing you. Can I ask you you. another question about that? Is that that different than your Ellie experience? Is Ellie your only other surgery? Yeah. I've never had surgery. So how do you, how does it normal? Do they do that with Ellie too? The blow up thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cause it's just easier for them to move you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And there's like 10 people and then they move you and then they like deflate the thing or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and, oh, uh, man, the person who thought of that is so smart. Genius. Right. And yeah. they're probably, they're probably the person who invented that was probably sitting on a lake. Like, and looked in, at a blow in a up. Float yeah. And was like, this is genius. Yeah. And then did it, and then they're probably like bazillionaires. And or then, or watch their kids carry a friend on their yes. on the mattress, and uh-huh. then they said, <gasps> and they ran up to the house. Eureka! And, wrote, and yeah, wrote it down, got the patent, and got a gazillion bucks out. For yeah, it. yeah. Um, I'm laying down at some point, and I don't know when. I I I see you. I know that you're there. And then I remember laying there. People are still talking. They're talking about my pulse. They're talking about different things. Do you have any sense of time? No sense of time. No sense of time. And they, I remember somebody saying, push, you know how they say push antibiotics or like push whatever medicine or whatever. Uh Remember them saying that. And I remember like three people, it felt like three people were above my head. and And then you were there like to the right of my head. And I remember someone saying, okay, she's showing a reaction. And somebody else said, she's really red. Her face and her chest are really, really red. And at this point, I don't, I remember being so uncomfortable. I don't remember being on oxygen anymore, but I remember being, feeling panic. Like, Not, I processed what happened. I'm so stressed. That was really weird. It was none of that. It was full on. I feel like I'm having a panic attack. My heart feels like it's racing. I feel like I'm struggling to breathe. They're giving me those antibiotics. Then they said that it was like making me really red, um, which I had, I wound up having an allergic reaction to something they gave me that I did not know I was allergic to. Uh, Then they were like, okay, we're going to give you Benadryl. Okay. And then I told them and Jeff, I'm pretty sure you were here for this. So I don't know how much of it you caught. But I said, I don't know how to how to tell you how I feel right now other than to say that I feel like I'm having a panic attack. I feel like I can't breathe. My chest is really tight. 
I've never been so uncomfortable in my entire life. And I don't know what it was. I do remember feeling glad that I had so many medical professionals in the room because, you know, whatever. But I was able to communicate to that that to them to the point where the what I assume is some sort of anesthesiology person behind my head said, do you want us to give you something to take that feeling down? Like I'm assuming like an anxiety or a whatever. Whiskey. Yeah, whiskey. Do you want a shot? Yeah. And I said, is it going to make, she said, it'll make you a little drowsy. And I said, am I going to miss seeing my baby? Because in my head, if they give me medication to calm down and I go to sleep, I'm going to miss them bringing my daughter to me. And then in recovery, me not being able to do skin to skin with her and all of those things. And I was like, I really don't want to, I, I must've said it multiple times because the person who um, was above my head looked me dead in the eye and she goes, Hey, and she was like, I will not let you miss you holding your baby. I promise. And I was like, Oh, spoken like a true mom, you know, like that yeah. woman, a hundred percent. I don't know who she is. She's a parent. Right. Just from that. She was like, I will not let you miss that. And I said, okay, thank you. Then I remember feeling like I was going to throw up, which is weird because I hadn't eaten in so long because we didn't know if I was going to have surgery. So from the second we called the doctor on Thursday night, I stopped eating because you're supposed to do that for surgery prep. And I didn't eat or drink. So I remember thinking, how can I... I? I do remember the people coming in your room Thursday night. Yeah. You asking them. Can I have and, water? And they all said, yeah, I wouldn't because you might have surgery tomorrow. Yeah. I remember them all telling you that. Yeah. Um. Wow. I don't think I realized that. So the last thing you had to eat was was the, was the dinner uh -huh. at like 5 p.m. Uh -huh. Thursday night. Yeah. And I hadn't had water, so I was just feeling god awful. Um, and I remember thinking, how can I be throwing up if I don't have anything to throw up? And they, they put a um, thing by my head, like a barf bucket, basically. And they're like, okay, turn your head and get, and I was dry heaving. This is all while Olivia is <laughs> being born. <laughs> this might, this might traumatize you even more, but it was a bedpan. It wasn't? Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to tell you that. That detail couldn't wait till tomorrow. Um, but I just remember. So I'm at this point, I'm like, they're giving me Benadryl for an allergic reaction that I had. I'm dry heaving. Um, I'm so uncomfortable. I don't know what you're doing, but I, I'm aware that you're there. And they keep asking me how I feel. There was a nurse that was like, um, had torn open a, um, a, an alcohol pad. This because a, this, pay attention to this. This is a great hack a lot of pregnant women use it for nausea so i knew the trick but oh, she did? like got an alcohol wipe took it and put it on my nose to help with the nausea and the second the alcohol smell wore off i was like i'm gonna be sick again so they kept and i was like guys can i have another and i don't know if you remember me asking them for uh -huh. more but i was like can i have another alcohol swab please and i just because i was trying not to throw up and i really didn't want to miss it miss olivia coming out and i remember jeff you saying she's so here but they didn't show her to us, which was different than Ellie. Like Ellie, they pulled her out. They literally put the drape down so you could see your nasty baby and all of its nasty glory coming out of you. And then they put it back up and then they take her to suction her out and clean her up and do all of that. Then they bring the baby back to you. That was how it was with Ellie. So, and then I didn't hear anything. And one thing that I had said to my surgeon before all of the um, emergency ensued 
is I said, can you, because Olivia was early, I said, it's really important to me. Can you just tell me as soon as you get the baby out, can you tell me that she's okay? Because I'm really worried about that. And she said, absolutely, I will. So I was listening for a cry. Like, that's what you're listening for. You know, when you have a baby is you want the cry, you want to hear the baby. Jeff had seen her and I knew that he looked at her. I was like, how does she look? And he was like, oh my God, she's so cute. She's tiny. (laughs) And I remember feeling comforted that you had seen her and we weren't seeing like a blue baby come out, you know, like you had, you were able to see that she was okay, but I still didn't hear her cry. We're hearing some squeaks or something. You're like, did you hear her? Did you hear her? And I was like, no, is she okay? And I, I. In my head, I was asking you 80 times, is she okay? If, if I, I, I can correct you here because uh, this is not part of my story, I don't remember ever saying to you, she's okay. And if I did, what up, dude? If I did, I was lying, which good on me because yeah. I, th- I think that's what you deserved in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> but when she came out, she was, you know, babies are goopy and gray and whatever. I would have had no way to evaluate her status. <laughs> I saw her come out. And I was like, oh, there she is. That was the asset, that was the extent of my assessment. So shout out to me. For keeping it cool. For being like, yeah, she's great. She came out. She was playing the piano. Yeah. I think she's a prodigy. She had a piano with her. And then I did hear a couple cries. Um, so I was really happy about that. I was like, oh my God, thank God. And then they brought her over to my head and I gave her a bunch of kisses. And I'm like, oh my God. Um, and then they take her and they say, okay, something like, okay, dad, let's, cause that's what they call you, by the way, when you're in labor and delivery, everybody's mom, everybody's dad. Okay. Mom. Okay. Dad. Um, and baby mom, dad, baby. That's, that's your names when you're in there. And they're like, we're going to take dad. We're going to, you know, take baby to get cleaned up and you know, whatever, or take baby to recovery. Dad, you're going to go with baby. She'll be there. You know, once we finish up here. And I still had that feeling, that awful feeling of like my heart, like I feel like I can't breathe the whole thing. I was nauseous. I, it was it was just awful. Um, and then I thanked everybody. I remember that saying, thank you. Oh, that's so nice. Um, thank you for helping me and thank you for whatever. And, and we get rolled into recovery. And I didn't, I saw Olivia with the nurse and with you, but I wasn't... They didn't immediately bring her over to me, as I can remember. And then I was laying there, and I don't remember the sequence of when I got to hold Olivia and and whatever. I remember asking for water because I was so thirsty. And they were like, you can't have that, but you can have ice chips. And then I remember people coming in. I remember talking to my surgeon, that my OB, who was like, hey, are you okay? That was wild which is those weren't her exact words, but everyone was saying the nurses were coming in saying, are you okay? That must've been horrible for you. How, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And of course I'm drugged up. So I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm here. I'm, I'm, you're you're right. There there were a lot. I feel like everyone who was in or near that operating room came to, came down to, to recovery, which was, which is, was, is, which was different than with Ellie. And I think I, your surgeon came down. She did. To see Ellie. And one of the nurses who happened to be walking by poked her head in. But I think the entire operating room came down to to poke their head in and see how you were doing. They did. And it was really, really nice. But then I kind of remember. And again, this is. I'm trying to sort this out because I remember what I felt and what I saw. But I don't think that healthcare professionals 
things aren't a big deal to most healthcare professionals. Right. Like, you know, we have something happen, they're nonchalant about it. You know, I mean, they see th- crazy things every day. So to have people come up to me and say, oh my God, are you okay? I had to make sure you're okay. How yeah. are you feeling? How are you doing? Really kind of ramped up the, oh my God, okay, this is a really big deal. And then a woman came in and Jeff said, you said, this is the woman, you know, that saved you. And I was like, oh my God, hi, thank you so much. We took pictures together, all of that. And then um, they took Olivia. I remember holding her from, it felt like one minute. They, they took her to like a transitions nursery for her recovery so they could watch her just to make sure that she was okay. But they told me like, this is not a big scary deal, like transitions. It's just where they go to make sure that she is breathing like she's supposed to and all of that. And there's a team of nurses like literally sitting there all the time. So if something emergent happens, they're right there and they can help her. And that had, that had nothing to do with the birth experience. We don't think, um, yeah, she was, but it's some, it's not something uncommon with C-sections. Um, so it was a little, I think it was more nerve wracking for you. Well, I just wanted to hold her, right. you know, cause I just wanted to like be, I just wanted to be her mom right then. And, and the best memories that I have with Ellie are like that first, you know, when yeah. they first put her on my chest, we have a video of it and it was such a beautiful moment. And I really wanted that with Olivia and I didn't, I didn't get it. Um, so I was just like, oh man, I want to see her like, you know, cause you know, I just wanted to snuggle my, my new baby and, but they were watching her. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And then a, a nurse comes in who had been my nurse who, who saw me when I was, you know, when I was, everything happened and the pan- the panic ensued. She was the one putting in my catheter and she was like, Hey, I just want to tell you that nurse who I told on Instagram is Morgan. She said, Morgan came flying in the room when we hit that code blue button. And she said she was the one that was like actively working on you. And that is one amazing nurse right there. I just wanted you to know, basically telling me Morgan, what she did was incredible. And I was like, Oh wow. Wow. Okay. Like, yeah, this is but a- at, at this point you're still in recovery. I'm still in recovery. I've gone, right? Because they always want one parent to be with the baby. So I had to go to transition walk to that transitions nursery with Olivia. Olivia. So you're still so out of it. I'm so out of it. And then they when you're in the recovery I think room, there's be- like recover a recovery team, like nurses yeah. that come in, they're checking on you. It's at this point I realize that and I don't know specifically how this happened, that I also am receiving blood. There was a blood transfusion because there's blood hanging above me going into me, uh, which I I didn't realize before. Um, and I'm like, oh, OK, that's a little weird. You know, we, like you're putting all of these things together. You're like, well, that's weird. I wonder I, why there's a blood bag next to me. I, I think um, it's the, the biggest. Obviously, I saw things that you didn't see. But one of the biggest differences between today and tomorrow that you're going to notice is you have so many of the memories and none of them are in the right order. Yeah. I think everything just happened to you and you're trying to make it piece together the timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I, I see that. 
Um, and then I remember my surgeon coming in and saying, we're going to, um, you know, measure some sort of level or something like that and see if you need another bag of blood. Um, and I remember her coming back and saying, your numbers look, look good. You don't need another, you don't need more blood. So we're going to take this down now in retrospect. I think it's funny that I was sitting there with a blood bag and that you were sitting next to me and you were okay. Quote unquote. Okay. Do you remember me asking you about your blood? What did you say? I said, how much blood did you get? And you said, I didn't get any blood. And I pointed at the bag (laughs) and you said, that's just a red IV bag. Oh, no, I don't remember that. Okay. (laughs) Okay, crazy lady. All right. We're going to let you have this one. (laughs) So that was kind of like, you know, the part, a big, you know, the surgery and the, and the whatever. And it was becoming very apparent to me how big of a deal, whatever happened to me had, or whatever had happened was a big deal because of the way that everyone was treating me and following up and saying, are you okay? That must've been awful for you. I want to check on you. I want to make sure you're okay. Like over the top. Um, that was wild. I've never, you know, somebody said I've never experienced something like that before. Um, so it was becoming clear to me that that was whatever happened to me as I remember it was a big deal. Um, and because I didn't know, I didn't have the capacity. I knew I was tired and I knew that I was in an operating room and I felt like I was having a panic attack, but that's really all that I knew is that I felt terrible. Like I didn't know. You, you got to sleep, you got to sleep through the, the chaotic stuff. I got to sleep through (laughs) quote unquote sleep, uh, Right. With, without a pulse. Um, <laughs> you, got, you got to not be alive during the chaotic stuff. I got to not be stuff. alive during the chaotic stuff. Um, and and that that was... You know what I just realized? Sorry. Go, go no, ahead. go ahead. I was just saying, you know what I just realized um, I can do before tomorrow, before I share my version? What? Is use the pictures that I took on my phone and also text messages that I was sending to my dad to put together a and timeline to your parents. Cause now you're telling the story. And if you ask me right now, I have zero idea how much time passed between leaving the operating room and yeah. being in recovery before you got there. Yeah. Then I have zero. Like if you said, how long was I there before transitions? No clue. I, you could tell me it was 15 minutes. You could tell me it was four hours. I would have no idea. Yeah. So weird. It's like a, it's a big time warp. Um, so we go into, we get, um, eventually me a room, we go upstairs and we're there. They bring me Olivia. It becomes increasingly apparent to me once we get up there too, because immediately the first nurse I met, oh my gosh, I saw what you went through. Are you okay? That was just, it's, it kept going. Are you okay? That must've been really scary for you. And then they would say to Jeff, well, how are you doing? Did you see that? And when yeah. he would say, yeah, they would say, oh, my God, like, I am so sorry that you had to see that. I had a lot of people tell me that I need therapy. That's a lot more than usual. Like, oh, you better go see a therapist. And I think at one point <laughs> during and this is a little murky, too. But Jeff was like, you do realize like what happened to you was a big deal. Right. And I was like, what? And Jeff said, yeah, they hit the code blue button. Like you were, they said code, they hit a button. It said code blue over the intercom and like 30 people came running in there. They hit that code blue button and it was like um, an old school circus clown car where people are just popping out of everywhere. 
like, like they're coming out of the walls, they're non-stop. coming out of the ceiling. Like it's like, just like holy crap. I did make a joke to Jeff because I said, "Oh, okay, well now we're even because they had to." And I was in the emergency room with Jeff for um, his heart condition that we now, you know, he's had it. Um, you know, it's it's not a huge deal, but when we didn't know what it was. They had to stop Jeff's heart with medication in front of me. They laid him down. It was the worst. It was the worst five minutes up to this point in my life. And it was terrifying seeing him there. Well, not five minutes. They stopped my heart for like three seconds, 21 seconds or something like that. Yeah. But the whole thing, like the whole process from when, you know, your heart rate elevated, everybody ran in the room. They laid you down really quickly. They didn't have time to kick me out of the room. They did that. I saw you. And then as soon as you were fine, I was like, I need to go. I need to take a walk. And then I went out into the parking lot and just started bawling because it's horrible. But so I I like, well, now you're even. Like, I've seen you without a heartbeat. You've seen me without a heartbeat. This is like a whole a whole new level of marital intimacy, uh, one that I would prefer not to have. But we're even now. Yeah. Well, you beat me. Competitive-wise, uh, Callie was without a pulse longer than I was. Um, and I never lost consciousness. I was there for the whole thing. They said, we're going to stop your heart, that it'll restart within 20 seconds, probably more like five seconds, everything will be fine. So what if it doesn't start? Like, we got 12 people in here, one of us will know what to do. Yeah. And then by the time everybody finished laughing at that joke, nobody was laughing at the joke, I was fine. Yeah. So in my situation was... A carnival cruise to one of their private islands. Right. Yours was the Titanic. Yeah, mine was was the Titanic. Um, so I am in, you know, I'm in my room now. Olivia, they're, you know, checking on her and they're helping me with all the like, you know, drugs or whatever that you get postpartum. So I'm doing the normal postpartum thing, but I'm also feeling incredibly jumpy. I'm feeling anytime I try to lay down and close my eyes, I feel like I might, my heart might stop. I feel I'm terrified of going to sleep or, you know, whatever, because I'm like, what if I don't wake up? What if that happens again? What if something is wrong with my heart? And I'm, you know, I just, it, I was terrified. I was terrified. And the first night was hard for me to even fall asleep because I was so scared that I wasn't going to wake up. And that was kind of setting, it was kind of setting into me even that first night that it was a big deal that something happened. I wasn't okay. I had a medical emergency and that it was really, really serious. And you're on pain drugs, right? Mm -hmm. You're on this, you had the surgery, you're on pain drugs. You still can't eat anything. You're still living off of ice chips. Yeah. Like your body, your body could not have been wrecked any more than it was. No, it was, it was, I'm sure that I was like in some sort of shock. I, the adrenaline, it was adrenaline fueled for sure. And I just felt, you know, I I know how it feels to have a C-section. I felt like I got hit by a truck. What was, do you remember? Okay. So Ellie went to, or Olivia, sorry, (laughs) Olivia went to transitions Mm -hmm. and then at some point I had to go home to let the dogs out and get something to wear because I was going to spend the night there, but I had, I never brought my bag. So I had to go get my stuff. And I think when I came back, was Olivia in the room? Do you remember that night? I don't think I remember that night. 
I remember, I don't remember if she was in the room then. I remember them telling us, you know, with C-section babies, they, when you have like a vaginal birth, the babies get all the amniotic fluid that's in their lungs out. Usually when they come out, like there's a big squeeze and then the baby gets all that out. C-section babies, sometimes the amniotic fluid gets in their little lungs and their bodies and is there for longer. Um, So I remember they said, you know, she has been kind of choking on amniotic fluid so here's what we do if you know if she but this is back when she was with us right yeah she was with us and then um they're like here's what you do and it happened but when did she come back well yeah okay so do you remember when they brought her into the room and reunited you and her together no me neither i don't so weird um and they were like, okay, so here's kind of what's been happening with her in transitions. She. They should do that um, dressed like a stork so it's more memorable. <laughs> here's your baby. <laughs> they just stand there awkwardly on one leg. Right. Give it to you. Here's your baby. Um, she was like doing this choke thing and then it happened and I got to see it. Jeff and I saw it where she eats something and then she starts kind of gagging and then her mouth turns a little gray. And I said to Jeff, I'm like, I don't know. Cause they said, do you want her to go to the nursery? Which is where, you know, any baby can go while you're in labor and delivery. Like you can send your baby in there. The nurses and doctors take care of them so you can sleep. And Jeff and I decided, like, there's no way that either one of us is going to get sleep if we hear our baby choking and we think we're listening for that. And, you know, so we sent her to the nursery so they could keep an eye on her overnight. And then they were going to bring her in, you know, for feedings and and stuff like that. So Olivia went to the nursery so we could get some sleep. In retrospect, I think the rest of the stay was... Fairly uneventful. Mm -hmm. Um, The woman who did the chest compressions on Callie, her name's Morgan, that you referenced earlier, she came to visit on Sunday. Yeah. Which was amazing. Like, she came in on her her day off. On her day off. And I, you know, like, really wanted to give her a hug. So I was so appreciative of that. A hug when you're not high as a kite. Right. And just be like, I had so many questions because I'm like, I was out of it. Right. Obviously. Um, I was over here with no pulse. Tell me, can you tell me what happened, please? <laughs> can you fill in some blanks? Can you fill in some blanks for me? Um, which she was able to do, and it was really cool to just get, you know, just yeah. to like hear from someone else who wasn't emotionally involved in the situation. Because Jeff's, you know, stop, but I'm also your wife, so you probably have a million different emotions. Like for her, she's just doing her job. Like well, it's just I, work. I have emotions, but I also got out of the way. Right. Once I saw how chaotic it was getting, um, I got out of the room and stood in the hall mm-hmm. just to be out, of, out the of, way. out of the way. And so she was able to fill in a lot of blanks from me as well. Yeah. So that was really, I'm really grateful that she came to see us and that we got to, you know, ask questions and hear, you know, hear her perspective. I think that was really in terms of like healing emotionally, because it was very, as, as we're both reflecting on it, it was very traumatic. Um, I definitely think I need to like see a therapist about and talk it through a little bit, but I think that was helping me heal a little bit and just to hear more information and facts and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, as far as Olivia goes, like she's fine. The choking thing resolved. Well, I think you should, we should fill in 
some of those blanks. Like Callie did lose her pulse. Um, there is, uh, this is pretty, well, I, I guess I'll fill these in tomorrow. When well, I no, what were you going to? Well, I was going to say, apparently there's a clock. And I think this is probably standard across. We did learn some neat stuff. Yeah, we learned yeah. some neat stuff. That if a mom loses her heartbeat and she's with child who can survive outside the womb, um, there's about a four-minute timer from that starts when the pulse is gone. The, and uh, the rule generally is if you hit the four-minute mark and mom doesn't have her pulse back, you get the baby Baby's out, out wherever you are. Does not matter. Doesn't matter where you are. So they would have done a C-section in that room. Prep room, in yeah. That, you know, stamp, yeah, whatever it's called. Um, so we learned that, and Callie's eyes opened in about a minute. So the clock started, but it wasn't necessary. But as soon as her eyes opened, th that's when they ran her into the OR and said, okay, we can do this as it yeah. rushed but typical right, C-section. We also learned that if you, if I gotten to, if they hadn't gotten my pulse back before we hit the OR, that the procedure would have been to intubate me, which is really scary. Um, but they had to have gotten the, I think they got the pulse back before you left the room because they don't think they would have taken you to the OR unless your pulse came back. We have a lot of, we we're just not, there's just been a lot going on. Yeah. But obviously, we're going to do all of the research, research yeah. and look at all the stuff that there's available to look at to, to find out because, number one, we need to know because how can you just, you can't just be like, oop, that happened and then move on. Right. right. And number two, in the event that you ever have to have another surgery, like I need if, to be able to tell my care was there team a reaction to a drug. Like you need to know that. I do need to know that, and I I think for me, you know, it is twofold. One is I need to know because I need to say, okay, this has happened. We know what happened. I can put it in a box, and I can be. That's just part of what happened. I can't do that right now. Yeah. Because I don't know what happened to me, so I'm living in fear that. I'm going to have a heart attack or that I'm going to not be okay. And I don't like living in that fear, but I can't move on from that until I know what happened to me. Right. And I, you know, I, I've had a cardio consult. I've had a neuro consult. Um, Did I you talk have, about your hands yet? No, I um, have some residual. I have tremors now in my hands, which has been really scary. I'm going to start crying now because I'm scared. But um, like I have some, like tremors in my hands that have made it hard um, for me to change Olivia's diaper, for me to zip up the um, her like jammies. I I couldn't buckle the car seat to get her in like we were taking her home, so that scares me. Um, my heart rate, um, my blood pressure since I got out of surgery has been a little unpredictable. They've had to take it multiple times in a row to get. Um, normal BP. So I'm concerned about that. Um, especially cause you know, a year ago, my brother-in-law had, had a stroke because of blood pressure. So I'm scared of that. Um, you know, my heart rate has been elevated doing things that normally wouldn't elevate my heart rate. So those are things that, you know, I've, I've talked to my OB about, we're watching me. I've had consults about, and, and so far we don't have any concrete answers, but I have to know. And I have to know what happened. And, 
you know, because again, I don't want to go into another surgery in my life and maybe not make it because I didn't know I had an allergy or I didn't know that, you know, like I need to know what happened so I can communicate that to people who are helping me in the future. I have to know what happened. And right now I I don't, and it scares me and it's traumatizing for me not to know what happened. And I just, I I just want to know. And I think, um, the frustrating part that is not, that's actually not frustrating me right now, only because there's so many other things going on is all of this stuff that you just talked about, the blood pressure, the, the tremors, the, all of this, um, the doctors all say, well, because of what happened to you, we probably can't properly evaluate that for another couple weeks because your body's recovering from the trauma. Right? right. So the high, you could just have high blood pressure right now because of what you've been through. So right. And I'm wait. coming down from the adrenaline, from the drugs, from having surgery. Like, like it's not just like one thing happened. Like I had a major surgery. I, you know, so, and I'm not sleeping yeah. <laughs> as much because of the baby and right. I'm not, you know, so it's, it's hard to tell at this point. Is it normal C-section recovery stuff right. because of what my body went through? Or are there permanent things here or long-lasting concerns that we need to know about? And and right now we don't know. But I can promise you that once um, we get organized with Olivia and we get into a routine having two little people in the house, right, with, yeah. um, with Ellie and Olivia, um, once we get there, that those answers are going to be my number one priority mm-hmm. because nothing bothers me more than not knowing and nothing bothers me more than being told that there's nothing we could do about it right now even if it's accurate mm-hmm. i mean i've spent countless hours probably days of my life trying to get answers when answers really aren't there and people are like i can't give you an answer right now yeah i'm like yes you can mm-hmm. there might it might not be possible but it's just yeah yeah. But I'm um, shocked that you made it through that entire story and didn't cry until the end. But I think do you I think s- you're gonna cry? I know the story? I am. There's a part of the story that I haven't even told you that I can't even think about without crying. It's a lot. Um, and I think it's um, I think the fact that that yeah. The fact, was, the fact that what? Well, the fact that you got through the whole story without crying, I think is indicative of how our brain is just compartmentalizing things. Like we're surviving. Because you are, you're not a not feeling person. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, which is just really impressive. You know, that the brain just goes, okay, we're going to put that aside right now. We're, we're going to keep this child alive. We're going to get Olivia up and running. Yeah. Full steam ahead. She looks drunk. She does look drunk. She's like passed out with her with her mouth open like. <sighs> yeah. All right. So tomorrow I'll tell my story. Um, I'll tell you the thing that I can't even think about without it making me cry. I will tell you how jumbled up I think the order of events were Mm -hmm. during that period of time. Because you got a lot of them. Mm -hmm. You just have it in such a weird order. Um, And then we'll also talk about uh, Ellie meeting Olivia. 
Yeah. Because uh, they met at the hospital, and then they've been obviously hanging out the past few days. And Ellie is just so sweet with her. So sweet. Um, and then do you want to go ahead? Do we want to ask questions? We want to have people call? Oh, yeah. Our phone number is 800-434-5454. If you have questions right now, go ahead and... and leave them on our voicemail. Leave them on our voicemail. Um, but we probably won't check them until after we record my version. So they might get answered. Um, but go ahead and leave them now. And then I think all of Friday's episode is just going to be us answering questions. Yeah. And then do you want to have, if somebody wants to write it instead of call the voicemail, do we want to have people email Jessica with questions? Um, just do it to love notes at Callieandjeff.com. Okay. Love um, notes at Callieandjeff.com. That will um, <coughs> send an email, ask your question. We will answer them. Or Callie at Callieandjeff.com. Well, I'm not reliable because I'm not working. Oh. Or Jeff at Callieandjeff.com. Actually, I think that's the, that email address will get anybody. Do you write? I think you write it to potato at callieandjeff.com and we'll get it. <laughs> Good job telling that story. We are so grateful that Olivia is healthy. We appreciate, um, you know, everything. We've gotten some gifts in the mail. Ellie has got a big sister book from um, one of my favorite little Instagram friends. And just thank you for supporting our family and for rooting us on and for praying for me and for, um, you know, for Olivia and for Jeff and, um, you know, what I, I know I said on Instagram, like, you know, that we got a lot to process. We still do. Um, thank you for supporting us and, and cheering us on and welcoming our new addition to the family. We're so excited, um, that she's here, that she's doing great. Um, yeah, I'm in a little bliss bubble right this, right this second. Cause I'm staring at you and Olivia's in my lap and everybody's good.